to Paranormal Chicklet, our fifth episode dedicated to paranormal rom-coms and cozies. I'm Kinsley Adams, and today I'm here with Temi London, Ari Butler. Yay! Hi, guys! Hello! Oh, today is dedicated to Ari Butler's release, Must Love Familiars, the first book Yay. in her Sable Cove series. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I'm very excited about. Oh, yes! Thanks. <laughs> because I hear rumor um, first... It's an awesome cover, by the way. Just have to say that. Um, <laughs> the little cat on the front is so cute. So cute. <laughs> I swear, cats are like the thing right now on covers. I keep seeing them everywhere. These little murder yes. kittens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one click murder kitten. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so tell us about this book. Um, obviously, there's a cat involved in some way. And I think maybe other animals as well. That's true. So uh, Must Love Familiars is, takes place in a familiar rescue agency in a small New England town. And one night, a familiar kitten is dropped off on the doorstep of the agency and a bad guy comes looking for the kitten. So the witches who run the agency have to figure out um, who's after the kitten and why. <laughs> and it's very true. There's not just uh, cat familiars, because those are classic. Um, we have a couple of those, but I have an owl familiar in the rescue, and his name is Galahad. Kinsley oh. <laughs> has a dog named Galahad, and I call him Galley. And, oh, that's what I call um, my puppy. My puppy is Galley. <laughs> And uh, that started like the whole, like I just kind of went a little crazy with the names. I really like the Galahad. So Galahad is up for adoption at the Sable Cove Familiar Agency. And um, there's a golden retriever and his name is Faust. And I say that um, he can't be around other familiars because he's got like no sense of personal space. And oh, that's no. <laughs> my golden retriever, Sandy, that's 100% her because she's like leans on you and kind of gets out like, you know, you walk out covered with fur, doesn't, you know, you take her wherever you go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I have one um, <laughs> And then the last one is that Delaney is the heroine and her familiar is a little turtle and his name is Mimo. And that came from, I have a little turtle statue on my desk. I've had it for a really long time and its name is Mimo. And I always wanted to work it into a story and I never could really figure out how to do that. And as soon as I came up with this whole scenario, I was like, yes, you know. So, so Mimo lives in uh, this book, and I love that so much. Oh, I love that you named it named the dog or the owl. Sorry, Galley, because yep. yeah, that's my puppy, Galahad the puppy. <laughs> so, what? Uh, tell us a little bit more about the book, about the plot behind it, and um, the, uh, the whole series, even because this is part of a bigger series, isn't it? Right. This is the first book of a series that's, uh, it's a fictional um, town on the water. Um, and it is full of um, a lot of humans, but a nice mix of uh, supernatural creatures. There's uh, vampires and witches and a fallen angel and some shifters and a merman. So there's a lot of good stuff coming this direction. Sounds like it. All right. So, so speaking of that, tell us what inspired you to write this book, this specific one, right? Yes, this specific one. Um, 
a couple years ago, we decided to get a second dog. And um, my kids and I went to every adoption agency in from like one side of the coast to New Jersey to the other. And um, we finally adopted um, a German Shepherd. And um, we've had him for a couple of years now. And he's my writing buddy. He's always, always hanging out with me. But um, I thought when we were in all of those agencies from like the ASPCA type ones to the, you know, the state run ones, the county ones and stuff. And they're also different, but um, I thought how interesting it would be if there was a, like a, a adoption agency for familiars that witches and warlocks could go to, to adopt a familiar. And I just thought that was really kind of interesting and it stuck in my head. It's so, so cute. <laughs> it seemed like a good, a good central thing to do for this series to get it kicked off. I love it. <laughs> totally love it. That's a great, that's, that's awesome inspiration. <laughs> and then, um, cause Sable Cove itself is based off a few places you've been, Hey, like it was a design of a combination of places. Right. So it's basically three places, um, Goat Island and Rhode Island, which uh, we went to a handful of years ago. Um, I've heard of that. Is it as cool as I hear? It is. It is just. Is it full of goats? I don't know why they call it Goat Island. I don't know why they call it Goat Island. It was, we had such a great time and it was, we went right after Hurricane Sandy. So it's been like oh. eight years now. Um, so it was just really, really interesting. It's this very quaint New England town feel, but it's an island. So you're all with water and it's just, it was beautiful. We really enjoyed it. Um, and Long Beach Island, uh, which is in New Jersey. And there is, they call Old Red, um, the Brigantine Lighthouse, which we went to this last summer so that I could get pictures because the lighthouse is pretty central to the series. Um, and so that's part of that is this this coastline and the kind of the, the craggy rocks and the beach and stuff. And the last part is actually Newport, Rhode Island. My husband and I went um, a couple of years ago to watch part of the, um, it's now called the Ocean Race, but it used to be the America's Cup, the big, huge sailboats. Oh, yeah. yep. um, and uh, we were invited for a weekend and they kind of hang out in Newport and you get to see the boats and the, the teams and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a little tiny, it's Rose Island and it's, it's basically just the lighthouse. Um, and I got to go in, it's actually a working lighthouse and like you can pay to stay there in the lighthouse. It's got oh like a couple God. rooms and you can like, it's like all- You, you have, have like to manage the lighthouse while you stay there? No, but um, <laughs> I think you can, but you can stay in it like at like a bed and breakfast kind of thing. Like it's, you could have a full-time job, I think of, of being there, which I think would be really cool. <laughs> but um, it was just neat. So I actually got to go up like into the top where the light, the old light fixture was like a hurricane lamp. It was really neat. Um, and so I got to do that. So it's kind of like a mixture of all of those places, like a little old time from Rose Island is really old and then Newport's real new and fancy and upscale. So it's, it's just a nice mixture of all of those kind of places. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. It's always nice to include like real places when you're, when you're writing. It's, um, it makes the book more engaging, I find, because people right, can yeah. relate to it, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking I can totally, like, I have an image in my head now of what Sable Cove is like. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> 
That's so cool. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's jump to a totally, totally different topic, which <laughs> cracks me up because I heard another rumor. You know, I hear all these rumors. <laughs> People love talking about Ari Butler. I right. guess they do. <laughs> so I heard a rumor about your writing um, practices and that you <laughs> cannot write when me- there's music in the background. Right. <laughs> um, I have to have um, just straight background noise or silence. So I need um, like rainfall or ocean is okay. But anything that's Ooh, a little bit of technical issues there. <laughs> Sorry, Nina. That time. Yeah. <laughs> Rainfall and ocean right. music. Rainfall. <laughs> <laughs> As we try to just pick up where we left off. <laughs> right. okay. What about coffee shops? Can you can you write in coffee shops? I can't. I'm too nosy. <laughs> But imagine the plot fodder you could get. Have you guys ever seen the live Twitter street, the live Twitter feeds of people who are like creeping on people in coffee shops, listening to their breakups and their first dates? And (laughs) could you imagine the book fodder that would give you? Yeah, yeah. I tried. Um, Where we used to live, we had there's a little coffee shop, and they had the best. Side like note, enough. I love the way you just said coffee. Like, like coffee. <laughs> Sorry, it's coffee. a little, little New, New Jersey in there. Coffee. <laughs> North Jersey. I can't um, even imitate it. Coffee. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> I don't know. There's a coffee. W in gotta, there, I think. You gotta feel right. it. It's, you have to use your hands. Um, <laughs> It's okay. Anyways. I'll just start dropping in some A's for us because, you know, Canadian, right? A? Right. A? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Oh Coffee God. shop. Coffee shop. <laughs> Coffee shop. There was a little shop and I sat, I tried it a couple times. I would get a little, little coffee to drink and I would try to write and I would just be like staring at people the whole time. Not I, that would be me too. I totally wasted, Just wasted time for me yeah. sitting there. Um, I always worry that they're reading my book over my shoulder. That was my fear at the coffee shop. Like, I can't write in public because I'm like, who's creeping on me right now? <laughs> so but then you the- turn around and say, um, it's Kingsley Adams on Amazon. You should. <laughs> Especially when you write sex, sex scenes, right? Because you're like, who's watching me write this sex scene in public? <laughs> I did that on an airplane once. I was, oh, yes. I, I was like on a tight deadline. And that was like, you know, we've had this conversation before. This is like how we write our sex scenes. We all wait until the book is done, right? Done. Yeah. And then go back. And I was so, I was totally on deadline. I was like, I gotta get this done. And I was on a plane and this guy sitting next to me and I'm like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> turn, turn the laptop a smidge sideways. Right? <laughs> Privacy screen, everything. Keep your eyes to yourself, sir. <laughs> Oh, you're writing. What do you write? Uh, <laughs> so stuff. <laughs> it's my diary. Thank you. <laughs> so no coffee shop, no music. No coffee shop. I, but I just like open, normal. You can open a window. Open one. It can't have any kind of lyrics or any kind of melody. So even the stuff like the spa music doesn't work for me because I, I will hum or I'll be singing. 
ahead of, of that. I think everybody does that though. So that's why oh, like yes. if I'm, I'm gonna do, if, if I'm writing like an action scene or a chase scene or something, I might listen to, um, you know, something that's got a real good beat to it. I might listen to like a little rap or something and kind of get in the zone. Um, or, um, you know, if I'm gonna do a love scene, I might listen to something romantic, like, especially like YouTube's my favorite thing because of the videos, like, oh, yes. um, like that song Wicked Games is like one of my favorites to watch um, the video of because it's a black and white and it's kind of they're just rolling around in the beach and it's just such a sexy video um, and I love like it kind of totally puts me in the headspace um, you know as long as I have my uh, noise canceling headphones on so that I can't hear if there's tv or anything like I can just be in my zone and I can yes. watch a video like that or um, something fun and then I can you know go right and I'm still in that kind of frame but I definitely have to have headphones in because otherwise people think they could talk to me in my house like <laughs> if I don't have my headphones on I'm like my typing furiously and they will just come up to me and I'm like looking yeah, at them yeah. like really like I'm obviously doing something <laughs> clearly <laughs> headphones on mean work Headphones right. And I just, like, I just point, just point to the headphones. I'm like, right. <laughs> they need to have notes on them that says, do not disturb. Because <laughs> headphones isn't obvious enough, do not disturb. And my, they're blue. They're really big blue. Like I got them. Um, I said, my husband got, I'm like, I need really big, bright colored headphones. So nobody can mistake. No little tiny AirPods. None of that. Hint, it's got to be very <laughs> noticeable. Very noticeable. And they are, they're bright blue. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. they're all, I can't hear anything. <laughs> I have my, I have my back to the door. So whenever my husband tries to come into my office, he has to knock because if he comes up behind me and touches me, it scares the living bejesus out of me because I've got my headphones on. I'm in the zone. I'm typing. Yep. So he has to like really like knock on the door. <laughs> Otherwise I'm like, Oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> So many times he scared me and he just looks at me like shaking his head. <laughs> We've been here before. Yes. <laughs> well, Ari, where can readers find or follow you? What's your, your preferred, um, I guess, medium for them to look you up? All of my stuff's on my website, which is AriBellerAuthor.com. And I have an email and I am on Facebook. Um, at R.E. Butler author is my Facebook. It's really easy to find me, just R.E. Butler author and all my yes. stuff will show up. That's <laughs> fantastic. Nice and easy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, R.E. Um, Kinsley is now going to, or I can't, I, I'm saying it wrong, but she okay. narrated the first chapter <laughs> of your your book of my love familiars so yes. now we get to listen to that um and i really hope that everybody enjoys it we hope that everybody enjoys it we really yes. appreciated uh ari telling us about it i personally can't wait to read it because it sounds Yay. super super fun it's Thanks. it's the perfect mix for me the 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 cozy and the fun and the romance like that's yep. the perfect book in my opinion that's so, right um, <laughs> thank you again we are uh paranormal chicklets and we hope you'll be back for our next episode which is on february 23rd thanks awesome. bye. bye must love familiars by ari butler chapter one Delaney St. Charles smacked the top of her alarm clock a third time and rolled over. 
She was definitely not a morning person. Maybe if she didn't stay up late reading, she'd enjoy getting up early and wouldn't have to drink two cups of coffee before she could even greet someone without snarling like a pissed-off Linus. A little growl sounded near her ear, and she opened one eye and found herself being glared at by her painted turtle familiar Mimo. I hid the snooze. Go away, she said, closing her eye. He growled again and then nipped her nose. Ow! Dang it, Mimo! She rubbed the ache and opened both eyes this time. Rising to one elbow, she clicked off the alarm and sighed. Mimo liked to be fed at a certain time, and if she hid the snooze too often, he'd climb out of his aquarium and make sure she got up. I love you, but you could let a girl sleep in once in a while, she grumbled at him. Throwing off the covers, she picked up Mimo and grabbed her phone off the charger. She climbed out of bed, stepped into her fuzzy slippers, and shuffled into the kitchen. After feeding Mimo and popping a pod into the coffee maker, she waited patiently for the coffee to brew. She checked her messages and discovered several emails related to the animals available for adoption at the rescue she and her two besties ran. The Sable Cove Familiar Rescue had five familiars for adoption, and their website had photos and details about each animal. While anyone could look at the website, only a witch or warlock was eligible to adopt one of the animals. One of Delaney's powers was being able to intuitively tell which person and familiar belonged together. But the animal was the final decider, accepting or rejecting the person. The relationship between a master and their familiar was special. They were more than a pet. They were helpful in spellcasting and were attuned to danger. Delaney had found Mimo when she was walking along the Sable Cove beach as a teenager looking for sea glass to add to her collection. She'd picked up a pretty shell and found baby Mimo in it. She'd known immediately that he was her familiar. Since then, he'd even saved her life once. She'd been casting a spell when a storm came out of nowhere. Mimo had alerted her to danger and she'd grabbed him and headed inside. A few minutes later, lightning struck the tree she'd been sitting under. It would have crushed her as it fell apart. Fixing her coffee, she carried it into the bathroom and turned on the shower. A text from one of her two besties appeared. Did you see the video from last night? Hadley texted. I just got up, so no. What's up? Someone left a box on the doorstep of the rescue. Unless you or Kinsley were expecting a delivery, it might be a familiar part someone dropped off. Could also be a real animal, since humans don't always understand what we mean by familiar. True. No deliveries that we know of. When are you heading in? A half hour. You? I'll be late. I have to run to Twilight Lake to gather some plants for a protection spell someone ordered, and Kinsley was going to go with me. Okay, I'll let you know when I see what's in the box. You could always ask Chief Brody to help you out. The statement was followed by several gifts of people leering and waggling eyebrows. Even though she was alone, Delaney's cheeks flamed at the teasing remark. She was 100% attracted to the chief of police, who'd never been anything but professionally polite to her. She wanted to ask him out on a date, but she didn't have the guts. It's daytime. Chief Brody was a vampire, so he stayed indoors from sunrise to sunset. Oh well, let us know what happens when you get to the rescue. Will do. She hopped into the shower using her favorite pina colada shampoo that made her want to skip work for the day and go hang out at the beach. She couldn't, of course, but maybe she'd take her lunch to the beach. 
Even if she didn't get to go for a swim in the dark waters of Sable Cove, she could at least enjoy the sand between her toes. After she was finished, she wrapped her hair in a thick towel and headed into her bedroom to find something to wear. They didn't have a uniform at the rescue, but she didn't generally wear nice clothes because she'd end up with cat fur all over them. Of the five animals currently housed in the rescue, two were birds, an owl that had belonged to her mother before she passed away, and a raven that had belonged to a warlock whose nephew dropped it off after his death. The other three animals were cats, a white one, an orange one, and a gray one. All three enjoyed leaving their fur everywhere. Choosing khaki shorts and a pink shirt, she dried her hair, applied some makeup, and dug her favorite sandals out of the bottom of her closet. The last thing she did before she left was pick up the protection bracelet that Kinsley had made for her. The leather and bead bracelet was imbued with protection properties and would alert her if something dangerous was around. Ready? she asked Mimo as she placed him in the travel habitat. He let out a grunt and settled under the plastic palm tree in the corner of the plastic container with the bright green lid. Delaney lived in the house she grew up in. Her mother, who had passed away the year she graduated high school, was a powerful witch with the same powers over animals that Delaney had. Her mother's power trended toward birds more than mammals or reptiles. Her familiar was a barn owl named Galahad who lived at the rescue. Familiars could take on a new master if theirs died, and vice versa. But though it had been several years since Delaney's mom passed away, Galahad hadn't chosen another master. She walked to her two-door coupe and opened the driver's door, easing inside and setting Mimo's habitat on the front seat, securing the seatbelt across it. Sable Cove was a small, northeastern town of just a few hundred people. Most of the town's residents were human, but there were plenty of supernatural people as well, from her own small coven of witches to the merman who lived at the lighthouse to the wolf-shifter brother and sister who ran the diner. She headed to the rescue, her windows down and her summer playlist blasting from the speakers. Parking at the rear of the rescue, she unlocked the back door and walked through, greeting the animals and turning on the lights as she made her way to the front. She set Mimo on the counter and unlocked the door. Just as Hadley said, there was a large cardboard box on the front porch, tucked partially behind a concrete planter stuffed full of colorful pansies. Delaney closed her eyes and held her hands over the box, not touching it, but letting her senses open to see if she could get a read on the box's contents. Her power prickled in awareness a moment before she heard a plaintive meow from the box. Smiling, she peeled off the tape from the lid and opened the flaps. A little black kitten peered up at her with yellow eyes, meowing again. She reached for it and brought it close, letting her power free again. "'Well, you're a familiar, aren't you?' she murmured. There was a white and blue baby blanket in the bottom of the box, and she picked it up and gave it a shake, hoping a note might fall out. But there was nothing in the box at all, save for the blanket and the kitten. She put the blanket back into the box and carried it and the kitten into the shop. She put the box under the counter and set the kitten next to Mimo's habitat. He lifted his head and looked at the kitten, then tucked his head back and went to sleep.' When the kitten shook itself out, there was a tinkling sound coming from the red sparkly collar on its neck adorned with a bell. The collar didn't have a tag on it or any identifying information written on either side. Where did you come from? she asked. The kitten meowed. Sorry, kits, I don't speak cat. 
giving the kitten a little scratch behind the ears, she took a picture and texted it to Kinsley and Hadley. She then called Dr. Yasmin, a selkie shifter who loved animals and was the resident vet on call for the rescue. She'd give the kitten a clean bill of health or give it any medical attention it needed, and then Delaney could put it on the website. When the female answered the phone, she said, Hey, it's Delaney. How are you? Great. The sun is shining and the rocks are sure to be really warm by lunchtime for a nice nap. How are you? Planning to eat lunch on the beach myself, so maybe I'll see you there. Otherwise, good. Someone left a familiar on the porch of the rescue. Can I bring her by? Sure thing. How about in an hour? You got it. They ended the call and Delaney took the kitten into the back and gave it a quick bath in the sink, dried it with a towel, and put the red collar back on. She opened one of the empty cages and put the kitten inside. It immediately went to the little scratching post in the corner of the cage and began to tug its claws down the twine-wrapped pole. After putting fresh litter in the box and filling the food and water dishes, she shut the cage and tended to the other animals. Galahad hooted at her when she offered him her arm. He stepped off his perch and onto her arm. He had a tight grip, but he never hurt her. She remembered her mother used to walk around with him on her shoulder like some hippie pirate. Opening the back door, she wished him a good hunt and set him free. He took off into the air, wheeling in circles a few times with a happy hoot before heading for a nearby stand of trees to hunt. He was nocturnal by nature, but her mother had gotten him in the habit of hunting in the mornings for breakfast and then again at nightfall, and Delaney had been happy to keep the tradition going, especially since it meant she didn't have to thaw any dead mice for his meals. She stared into the sky for a few moments, inhaling the salt water scent that lingered in the air at all time, before turning back to the animals. She closed the bottom of the Dutch door to let in fresh air. After the three cats had eaten their full, she let them out of their cages to roam, then took Bruno the raven from his cage to a perch in the main room and filled the metal bowl in the stand with fruits and nuts for him to snack on. The phone rang, and she hurried to the counter. Sable Cove Familiar Rescue, this is Delaney. How can I help you? A woman's voice came through the line. I saw on your website that you have an orange and white cat for adoption, and I'd like to come see it. The first and most important question is, ma'am, are you a witch? There was a pause. Excuse me? This is a familiar rescue. We only rescue familiars, and familiars can only be adopted by witches or warlocks. Are you a witch? Um, no. But don't you want to give the cat a home? She wouldn't accept you. I think I can take care of a cat, the woman said, sounding miffed. I'm sure you can, ma'am, and I'd suggest you look into a normal rescue agency for non-magical animals. Have a good day. She ended the call before the woman's protests could reach her ears. It never ceased to amaze her how many people checked out their website but didn't look at the name of the place or the warnings posted on every page that the animals were only available to magical persons for adoption. Another loony, Hadley asked as she walked in from the back. You know it, Kinsley called out. Is this what was in the box? Delaney walked with Hadley into the back and smiled as Kinsley took the kitten out of the cage. Yep. Aw, who would abandon a sweetie like this? And she's so young, too, Kinsley said. Let's check the video and see what the person looks like, Hadley suggested. They moved to the desk in the corner of the room. Hadley sat down and wiggled the mouse on the pad until the computer turned on. She opened the video camera program, which turned the cameras on whenever there was a motion detected. There were three videos from last night. 
The first one was of the neighborhood cat who liked to sleep on their porch sometimes. The second was a low-flying bird. And the third only showed the top edge of the box as it was pushed onto the porch from the side. Ah, dang, Hadley said. They must have known there was a camera and stayed out of view. No note? Nope, Delaney said. I'm going to get her checked out by the vet. You two think of a cute name. By the time she got back from visiting Yasmin with the healthy kitten she'd pegged at seven months of age, her besties had come up with the kitten's name, Flora. They took videos and photos, and Delaney put up a new page on the website featuring Flora in all her furry glory. Hadley's familiar, a black cat named Osiris, stretched out on the back porch in the July sunshine and let little Flora climb all over him. Kinsley's familiar, a cat with soft tortoiseshell-colored fur named Nysa, circled Kinsley's feet as she cleaned up the front room. They had two people coming in to look at the familiars, a warlock and a witch, both from out of the area. While she'd hate to see any of the animals leave because she thought of them as part of her family, she also knew that familiars weren't ever really happy unless they were aligned with a master. Galahad swooped in and landed on the Dutch door. He hooted loudly, and Delaney hurried over and took him to his cage, dropping the cover down so he could rest. "'Sweet dreams, Galley,' she whispered. He hooted at her once and then closed his eyes. She tugged the cover all the way down, then went to check on Mimo. "'It's been a busy morning, my friend. What do you think of our new familiar?' He yawned and blinked slowly at her. She smiled and busied herself checking emails, taking care of the animals, and scouring want ads to see if anyone had a familiar for sale or adoption that didn't realize there was a rescue agency just for them. Her mind flitted to Flora and then to Chief Brody. Should she give him a call and let him know that someone had mysteriously dropped off a box while keeping out of view of the camera? Toying with the phone, she decided not to call him. There wasn't anything he could do anyway, not only because it was daytime, but because no laws had been broken. While it might be shitty to leave an animal on a porch overnight, it wasn't illegal. Besides, the kitten had only been there for a few hours in the box with air holes punched all around it. Maybe she'd run into the handsome police chief tonight and could casually mention the kitten. And maybe he'd be so smitten by her concern for the kitten that he'd ask her out on a date. Right, and monkeys might fly out of her butt too. Sighing, she wondered if there was a spell to boost her confidence so she could ask him out. But what if he said no? What if he said yes? Well, that was chapter one of Must Love Familiars by Ari Butler. I hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to see you at our next episode. Bye.